You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. On December 7th, 1941, when 360 Japanese planes staged an attack on Pearl Harbor, killing over 2,300 soldiers, sailors, and civilians. And so it was on December 8th, 1941, that our Congress declared war. And so I I submit to you today that whether we recognize it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, the reality is that we are in a fight. There is a, a battle taking place and there is a war that is being waged. And so, and I'm not, I'm not referring to a, a political fight or, or a fight for any kind of uh, a political power or any office or anything of this world. No, but there is a fight for your soul. Yeah. And there is a fight for the souls of your family. And, and there is a fight for lost souls in O'Fallon, Illinois. And, and there is a fight for souls all around this world that, make no mistake, you cannot get around it and you cannot ignore it. And, and there is no middle ground in this fight. And, and there is no neutral territory in this fight, but you will either be a victor or you will be a victim. It was the apostle Peter, or rather it was the apostle Paul, who who he told Timothy at the end of his life, looking back on his life and on his ministry, he told Timothy, he said, I have fought a good fight. He said, I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. I, I finished and I made it, but it was a fight. I, I kept the faith, but it was a fight. And it was the apostle Peter who gave us the instruction to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about and he is seeking whom he may devour. Which lets us know that God forbid, but there are some who may be devoured for the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. And it was Jesus who said, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. That just because it's popular does not mean that it is right. Just because it is the majority does not mean that it is good. For there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so you've got to watch out for the ways of the world. You've got to watch out for the ways that just may seem that that's where everybody else is going and that's what everybody else is doing. You've got to be careful if you want to walk in the ways of the Lord. In Luke 13 and and 23, somebody asked Jesus, they said, Lord, are there few that be saved? And Jesus answered him and he said, strive. Somebody say strive. Strive. He said, are there few that be saved? And Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able Jesus said, if you're going to enter into the straight gate, if you're going to walk through that gate one day when you stand before the Lord, he said it will require of you a striving. That anyone who walks that gate, anyone who walks that road, it will be because they strive for it. And that word strive, it literally means to struggle, to compete, to contend with an adversary. And in fact, it is the exact same word that Paul used when he said, I have fought a good fight. 
And so the words of the apostles, Paul and Peter and Jesus Christ himself make clear to us that, that there is no one that will accidentally stumble your way into heaven. There is no one that we will not casually walk and, and complacently enter the straight gate. It's not by happenstance or coincidence that we lay hold upon the things of God. It is not with casualness that you walk the narrow way, but it is with a striving. It is with a determination that says, I know there is an adversary before me, but I have a determination and I'm willing to strive. I, I'm willing to fight for it. It's not with apathy that you lay hold upon God, but it was David who said in Psalm 57 and verse 7, he said, my heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is fixed. He said in Psalm 84 and verse 2, he said, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. He wrote over and over in the book of Psalms. He said, Lord, I'm just desperate and I'm thirsty and my heart is fixed upon you. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 6 says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That God is not hiding himself from you. God is not running from you. He's just waiting and saying, are you hungry for me? Are you willing to search after me? Are you willing to run after me? Because he said, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. If you'll knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, it will be given to you. God just wanting to know, are you hungry to come after me? And so I, I could assure you today that you will have every reason to quit. Uh, you could talk to any elder. I, I'm certain in this place and, and they would tell you that there have been obstacles in their life. Uh, there have been temptations in their life. Uh, you will always have a reason to walk away. There will always be an opportunity to go down a different path uh, or to choose your own way to go in a different direction. And so that's why you've got to make up in your heart and in your mind. Uh, I know in whom I have believed uh, and I know in whom I have placed my trust. Uh, is anybody perceiving Persuaded this morning, uh, I am persuaded of the power and the goodness and the faithfulness of God, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm willing to fight for it. Amen. Does anybody feel that way? You say, God, I'm, I'm willing to fight for it. And so it is with a battle in mind that I'm looked to this, this man, Eleazar, who was one of David's mighty men. And if you've never read before of, of David's mighty men, I would encourage you to go read. It's, it's incredible some of the feats that they were able to accomplish. These, these men of valor, they, they did, uh, death-defying acts of valor that they one time snuck behind enemy lines just to bring David a, a drink of water. And there was one of these men in particular that on one occasion he single-handedly slew 800 Philistines with a spear. So these were sort of like the, the special forces of David's army. And the Bible says that of this particular man, Eleazar, that we find him here on this particular day. And in, for whatever reason, the scripture doesn't make clear, but the scripture lets us know that the, the other men were gone away. Some have said and believed that it was that they had retreated, that they were afraid they had run. But whatever the case may be, maybe they had other business to attend to. We don't necessarily know. But but on this day, the Bible says Eleazar was standing or he was sitting and, and there were the Philistines before him and the other men were gone away. And so we find that Eleazar 
was in a valley of decision. He had a decision to make because with everyone else gone, I've I've got to decide what am I going to do? You know, it's a lot easier to stand and be a believer when everybody else is with you. It's a lot easier to stand and be apostolic when, when everybody else is around me. But when you find yourself on the job or when you find yourself in your school or, or when nobody else is around, you're in a valley of decision. You have to decide what will I do in this moment now that everybody else is gone. Because Eleazar could decide in this moment, well, the men are gone away. I could just simply retreat and hide. I'm sure the Philistines would not have minded if he chose not to fight on this day. I'm sure they would not have minded if he decided just to just to retreat, just to remove himself from that situation. But we don't find Eleazar's name written in the pages of Scripture because he hid or because he retreated. If he would have chosen not to fight on this day, we probably would not find him in the Word of God. He would be of no significance. He would be of no consequence. But we find Eleazar's name in the Word of the Lord because the Bible says that on this day, When everybody else was gone away and the enemy was before him, Eleazar did not run. He did not back down. He did not hide. But the Bible says he arose. The first thing Eleazar did when he saw that the enemy was before him was he stood. He took a posture that said, no, I'm not just sitting back. I'm not just retreating. I'm not just apathetic, but I'm going to take a stand. And he arose. And upon standing, he picked up his sword and he went into that battle and he began to fight and he began to fight with everything that he had. He fought with all of his passion and with all the intensity that he had within him, with all of his strength, he fought in that battle holding on to his sword. And the Bible says that he fought with such intensity, he fought with such great strength that even when his hand grew weary, the Bible says that his hand clave to the sword. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't use the word cleave very often. In fact, I don't think I ever use the word cleave unless I'm reading the scripture. And uh, I, I felt affirmed the other day. I asked a group of young, young men, what's the first word that you think of when you think of the word cleave? And, and one of them very quickly responded, meat cleaver. And uh, I felt firm because that's the word that I think of as meat cleaver. But that has nothing to do with what the scripture is referring to here with the word cleave. I don't know. Maybe you've been driving with somebody and it's like they need to go back to driver's ed. And so the whole time you're in the car, you're just gripping. You're just holding on till your knuckles turn white. And the whole time you're just praying like Jesus, just let us make it safe through this car ride. Lord, I, I repent. I'll live right as long as I can make it out of this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been, you know, uh, oh, amen. That's the loudest amen I've gotten all day. Praise God. I, I think one time I was sent uh, one of those memes and it said something like, why is it that every time uh, our youth group rides in the church van, our youth pastor thinks we have multiple lives? And uh, I don't know if that was, you know, I don't know what that was saying there, but um, that, that's what people say. And, or maybe you've been, maybe you've been in a roller coaster and that, you know, that roller coaster just twists you upside down every which way and you just latch onto that safety bar, you know, with everything you've got. You're just holding on for dear life. Uh, there's one roller coaster ride in particular that I will never forget. I was a young person in Nebraska in our youth group. We loaded up on a couple of church vans and we drove down to Kansas City, Missouri to go to Worlds of Fun. Anybody ever been to Worlds of Fun in Kansas City? It's, uh, it's just a little amusement park there. But 
in Worlds of Fun, they have this ride called the Mamba. And that is like the, the premier ride in the park. In fact, I believe it is still the seventh longest roller coaster in all of North America, right there in Kansas City, Missouri. And so that's what we were most excited about, my friends and I. We wanted to go on the Mama. That was the biggest, scariest ride in the park. And so that's where we made our way over to was the Mamba. And, and my friend and I, we, we were sitting next to each other on this roller coaster ride. And uh, so the thing about the mama, it's not just that it's a very long ride, but but it takes you 205 feet up in the air. And so if you've been on one of those where it just it just goes up and up and just the whole way up, it's just click, 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 you know, and everything on the ground is just getting smaller and smaller and the butterflies are just fluttering a little bit faster in your stomach as you're going up and up and up. And, and so that's really the thing about the mama is it doesn't twist you upside down every which way, but it just takes you straight up in the air. And then after you crest that hill, top you come plummeting down towards the earth over 75 miles per hour and it feels like you're gonna crash into the ground and so we were we were latched in we were holding on and and as guys we didn't scream but we did yell and so we were yelling with our mouths wide open at the top of our lungs we were coming down towards the ground yelling and and the reason that I will never forget this particular roller coaster ride is that as we were coming down the the roller coaster and, and nearing the end as it starts to slow down I begin to feel uh, something wet moisture on my face and I remember looking up into the sky and it was a, a clear day I don't recall there being a cloud in the sky it was a beautiful day out and my mouth being open it even went into my mouth but it didn't taste quite right and it was finally as we were nearing the end of that ride that we realized that one of the girls in front of us had gotten sick and with all the velocity of that roller coaster it had just come flying out from behind us and so we were cleaving for a moment but we were quickly ready to uncleave and get away from that roller coaster ride but to cleave, to cleave, it's, it's for, for two things to be joined together. That's cleaving. It's, it's two things joined together. In fact, the Bible says that, that when a man and a woman marry, they become one flesh and they cleave together. It's a joining. It's something is inseparable coming together. It's, it's cleaving. And so probably with more tenacity than any of us have ever held on to something in our life, Eleazar is going into this battle and he is fighting for his life. Uh, Eleazar is going into a battle in which either he will walk out alive or he will be carried out dead. But there is no turning back from the battle upon entering into that battlefield. And so Eleazar goes into that battle holding on to his sword with everything that he's got. And he he gripped that sword so tight that, that it was as if his hand had become one with the sword. That there was no separation between his hand and the sword. You could not have wrestled that sword out of his hand. His hand had become joined to the sword. And I do believe that in this hour there is a need for the people of God that with everything you've got that you would wrap your heart around the word of God and that you would cleave to the word of God that we are in a spiritual battle we are in a spiritual fight and the only way you're going to have victory over the enemy is if you grab hold of your sword and don't let go. 
battle we are fighting. It's not a battle that's waged on social media or in the court of public opinion. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. God has not called you to fight against people. He has not called you to fight against your neighbor. He has not called you to fight in worldly affairs and in worldly battles. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God unto the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He's given us a sword, and it is the sword of the Spirit. And the only way that the battle will be won in your life, if you want victory in your life, uh, the only way you can get victory is if you take hold of the sword. You cannot cleave to anything else. You cannot cleave to your intellect or to the ideologies or the philosophies of this world. For the world by wisdom knew not God, but rather it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, the preaching of the word to save them that believe. You cannot cleave to your talent or your ability, for it is not by might nor is it by power. And you cannot cleave to the things of this world. Because the Bible says it is everything that we can see that is temporal, but it is what you cannot see that is eternal. And when every lie of this world and when everything has passed away and when it's all said and done and when everything is done and it's all been finished, there will only be one thing that is still standing and it is the word of God for heaven and earth shall pass away. But he said, my word shall not pass away. Everything else will be gone, but the word of God will still be standing. So you got to let his word be a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. You got to let his word be a sword for you in the fight because there is great deception in our world. There are many who are deceived and there are many lies that are going forth in our world and all kinds of things that are going on. There are many spiritual battles that are taking place. Everything that we see is not just the natural that's going on, but there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. There are spiritual attacks that come against your mind and come against your home and come against your soul. And your defense is not found in this world, but your defense is found in the word of God. And so I pray, Lord, God, let your word be a lamp under my feet uh, and let it be a light under my path. Uh, Lord, let everything I do, let every step I take, let it be ordered by your word. Anybody know that there is power in the name of Jesus? We can call on that name and we pray in the name of Jesus. And the reason we know there is power in the name is because the authority of the word. Psalm 138 in verse 2 Scripture says, thou hast magnified thy word even above thy name, that his name, which is above all names, his name, which is high and lifted up. But he said, my word has been magnified above my name. There is no greater authority than the word of God. Acts 17 and verse 11, Scripture there says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And search the scriptures daily, whether or not those things were so. 
Now, the, the previous verse there says that it was Paul and Silas, I believe, who was there teaching at this church. And so I, I don't know about you, but I, I just sort of imagine that if Paul was here today and he was teaching and delivering the word, I would just say, Paul, whatever you say, I believe it. You don't have to convince me. I mean, I just, I'm just going to take notes. I just, whatever you got, I, I receive it, I believe it, and that's it. It's settled. I mean, Paul, he, was, he wrote the book. And so, but the Bible says that they were noble and that after Paul and Silas had got done teaching, they, they went home and they said, you know, I, I'm glad I received the word. I, I'm glad I heard the word, but, but I'm not just satisfied just to be spoon-fed. I'm not just satisfied that somebody else shared the word with me, but, but they said, no, I, I've got to have this for myself. I, I've got to know this for myself. And so after they had heard the word, they, they they went home and they opened up the word and they, they searched the word for themselves. And, and can I just tell you today that you cannot cleave to your pastor's sword and you cannot cleave to some preacher's sword, but you've got to pick up your own sword. You've got to open up your own word. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Yeah, yeah. But the Bible also says there, verse 11, that something that was noble about them, not just that they went home and they searched the scriptures daily, but it also says that when they came into the house of the Lord, that they received the word with all readiness of mind. That when they came into the house of God, they weren't just there checking a box. They, they weren't just there just for the worship, just, just for this, the community. But no, they came and they said, I, I've come with a readiness. My mind is ready. God, I've come, Lord, because I want to hear from your word. Lord, I've come to hear what it is that you have to say. And so they came in. They said, I, my mind has been prepared. Lord, I'm ready to hear from your word. You know, one of the great battles that we face is the battle of the mind. There was spiritual warfare, that verse we read, when it was talking about casting down imaginations and every thought, that the battle that takes place is a battle that goes on in your mind. And so that's why there is power in the Word of God, because when you get hold of the Word, it begins to cut down those lies. It, it begins to cut down those things that are strongholds in your mind of the enemy and of the adversary. And that's why Paul said you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because if your mind is not renewed, when you come into the house of the Lord, you may not be open and able to receive what it is that God wants to speak to you from his word. And so you've got to say, Lord, God, just like Jesus prayed, that's what Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. He said, Lord, thy word is truth. If you want freedom, freedom is found when you get hold of the word of God and you let it begin to cut down every stronghold and cut down the lies and the worry and the fear that would cloud your mind and your thinking and your life. And so the story of Eleazar, it goes on to say that, that because he stood and claimed to that sword, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I just picture that if I was standing and I was able to watch the events unfold on that day, if I was able to watch as those Philistines had gathered to do battle and there was Eleazar with all of the armies somewhere else, he's staying there alone with his sword, I, I would probably predict that Eleazar was going to die that day would probably predict that Eleazar would not walk out of that battlefield alive because he probably should have died there he probably had no business being able to make it out alive. He probably had no business having victory on that day. 
But the Bible says that because he arose and he claved that sword, the Bible doesn't say that it was Eleazar that had victory that day, but the Bible says it was the Lord that wrought a great victory that day. And the name Eleazar literally means helped by God. And so because a man was willing to stand and to fight with what God had given him, the Lord helped him and the Lord brought great victory that day. And can I tell you this morning that if you will stand and you will fight, the Lord will help you and the Lord will give you victory. If you will stand and fight when it's not convenient and when it doesn't make sense and when you may be outnumbered. I don't know how many Philistines were there. I don't know how many more of there were than of Eleazar. The scripture doesn't let us know, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how outnumbered he was. It doesn't really matter how many more Philistines there were because God was with Eleazar. God was on his side. And so it doesn't matter what your circumstance may be. It doesn't matter what the report may be. I've got a word from God. I've got a sword that I can stand on. And when I'm sick, his word says he is my healer. And when I'm worried, his word says he is my peace. And when I'm tired, his word says he gives me strength when I'm weary. Oh, I wonder this morning if somebody would just grab hold of your sword today. Would you stand with me across this house? And I wonder right now if you've got a sword, would you just take hold of your sword and say, God, I'm holding on to your word. Lord, I'm holding on to every promise of your word. Lord, when I'm down and out, when I'm tired, Lord, when I don't understand, your word says you are the lifter up of my head. Lord, your word says you are my light and my salvation. Lord, your word says that victory belongs to your people. Lord, your word says, God, that you fight on behalf of your people. Your word says that the battle is not mine, but the battle belongs to you, Lord. God, your word is enough and your word is forever settled. And so, Lord, I want to get hold of your word. Lord, I want to do battle against the enemy today. Lord, I want to come against every lie. Lord, I want to come against every doubt. Lord, I want to come against every stronghold because I've got your word and your word is forever settled in heaven. Oh, would somebody clap your hands unto the Lord in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your word that is forever settled. Amen. Amen. I want to go to just one last passage of Scripture as I close this morning. The book of Judges chapter 5, if you would, just stay standing for a moment. Judges chapter 5 and verse number 6. And I apologize, I did not give this to the media team. But the Bible says there in Judges 5 and verse 6, in the days of Shamgar the son of Anath in the days of Jael. The highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. The scripture records of this dark time in Israel's history. It was a moment It was not a good moment in their history. It was a time in which they had been totally conquered by their enemies. They had been totally overrun by their adversaries. And and the scripture says that, that in this time that the people of God, they would not even walk the highways. They wouldn't walk on the main roads. They, they took the byways and the back roads. They, they were inconveniencing themselves. Why? They were doing everything they could to avoid a fight. 
He said, I, I'm so intimidated. I, I'm so worried about conflict and, and coming against a, a robber or an adversary that, that I'm not even going to walk the main road. I, I won't even walk the main highway. I'd rather just find a back road. I, I'd rather do whatever I can. I just cannot face uh, the adversity. I just cannot face uh, what is before me. Verse 7 says, the inhabitants of the villages ceased. There was a stillness. There was a quiet. One translation literally says the villagers of Israel would not fight. There was no fight in them. There was no fight in their spirit. Verse 8 says that there was not a shield or spear to be found among 40,000 in Israel. You couldn't even find a weapon. There wasn't even a weapon to be seen. Whether they had been abandoned, discarded, left to rust and ruin, or, or they had been taken away by the enemy, they, they didn't even have a shield. They didn't even have a spear. There was no fight in them. And verse 8 tells us the reason why they had lost their will to fight. Verse 8 says they chose new gods. Then war was at the gates. When they lost their worship unto the Lord, that's when they lost their will to fight. When they lost their worship unto the one true living God, that's when war showed up at the gates. When they allowed idolatry to creep into their life, when they allowed other gods to begin to creep in and they begin to serve this God, they begin to serve that God. They gave their affection here and they gave their affection there. And when that idolatry came in, it took with it every will to fight. When they lost their worship, there was no longer a resistance that would rise up against the adversary. And I know that idolatry looks a little different today than it did back then, but idolatry is still very prevalent and real in our world. And you and I, we were made to worship God. It's what we were created to do before anything else. I was made to worship him. I may go here, I may do that, but Lord, before anything else, I worship you. But the Bible says that right in the middle of all this that was going on, right in the middle of a people that were overrun by the enemy, right in the midst of a people that were given over to idolatry and that had no will to fight, God began to raise up a Deborah and God began to raise up a Jael. God began to raise up a woman of God who said, I'm not content to sit back and let the enemy run all over us. I'm not content with the status quo. I'm not content just to say, well, this is is just how it is. I'll just keep taking the by roads and the back roads. No, no, no. But she said, no, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. But God's given me the ability to stand and to fight. And so because there was one who said, no, I'll stand. No, God's given me what I need. God's given me the word. I've got a sword in my hand and I'm willing to stand and I'm willing to fight for it. And you know what the Bible says about Eleazar? The Bible says after the Lord brought victory to Eleazar, those other men who had gone away, those other men who had retreated or were somewhere else doing something else, uh, when God brought victory to Eleazar with his sword, uh, the Bible says the others returned after him and they reaped in the blessing and in the victory because there was one who was willing to stand and to fight. 
And if you'll stand and you'll fight, and if you'll stand and hold on to the word of God, there's not just victory for you, but there's victory for your family. There's victory for those that are around you. There's victory for those in your life that you may not even realize that they are counting on you, but it's depending on your ability to say, God, you've given me everything that I need. Lord, there's nothing that I'm lacking. God has given you what you need. If you've got the word of God, I may go to God in prayer. And I may pray, and I may not feel anything in that moment, but I know that his word says he will never leave me nor forsake me. And so no matter how I feel, I know I've got a word from the Lord. Oh, would you lift your hands unto the Lord right now? Oh, Oh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, God, I pray today, let there be, Lord, let there be a resistance that rises up today, God. Lord, let there be courage, oh God. Let there be strength, Lord, to stand upon your word, to stand in every circumstance, in every situation, every trial of our life. Lord, I pray against the idolatry that would want to creep in, that would want to rob us of our worship unto you. But Lord, I pray, let my worship belong only unto you. Lord, let my worship be only for you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I just want to open up this altar right now. And I wonder if there's somebody just come down to an altar and you let the Lord know, God, I'm still standing and I'm still going to fight. Lord, I'm holding on to your word. Lord, I know that your word is true. Lord, there are doubts that would want to plague my mind. There is fear that would want to come against me. But I know that I've got your word. Lord, I know that you are with me. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we call upon your name today. Lord, we call upon you today. Lord, we need your help today. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, whatever situation you may find yourself in, you can put it in the hands of the Lord today. Whatever you have need of today, the Lord is in this house and his word is enough. His word is enough. If I don't have anything else, I know, Lord, I've got your word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's call upon the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord.